Download the app, Bet Big, Win Bigger. And I got to tell you, I really like the sound of that. And with WinBet, it's just that easy. WinBet has what you need to win. So if you're from Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, or right here in Virginia, sign up today to receive special offers and take advantage of great promos. Don't miss out on the fun. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com. Download the app, bet big and win bigger. Let's get after it. Terms and conditions apply, must be 21 or older, and present in a state where win bet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, y'all too, 1-800-889-9789. The Greenlight Podcast welcomes you. Thanks for jumping on today. We have a great NFL draft primer. It's Mike Mayock. He's going to run through some NFL draft stories from his time on TV and with the Raiders. He's got a couple great Howie Long stories. Sheds a little light on the Raiders draft picks the last couple years. And tells a few Derek Carr, Max Crosby, Rich Bisaccia stories. Great interview. Wonderful insight. But first you're going to hear from Chris. He's going to do a little NBA playoffs recap. And then it's Chris and Macon doing hello layup line. All the favorites. You all send in wonderful voicemails. Make sure to send in some more tonight during the NFL draft after your team makes a pick and you get fired up about it, good or bad. We want to hear from you. We'll also be live streaming the NFL draft. So tune in both tonight, Thursday, and Friday night with Chris and Macon. We'll be hanging out, talking, and we have plenty of guests stopping by. Stanford Steve, a couple other folks, talk draft picks, draft players, and always having a little bit of fun. Giving away money via Cash App, so make sure you tune in and answer our trivia questions. Much love. All right, we've got a great show for you today. A uh, friend of mine, Mike Mayock, um, former GM of the Raiders, longtime NFL Network draft guru, um, just a great guy. And I thought he had some really good moments in, in, in Vegas. Uh, there were obviously picks he missed on. I'm going to ask him about those things. But uh, I think he, he got a little bit of a bad rap. I know for a fact he doesn't make all those picks. I mean, you know, coaching uh, or being a GM with John Gruden is different than being a GM with the first year head coach. I mean, um, I'm not absolving him of every pick, but I do think he, uh, he had some really good moments in Vegas. You know, your Max Crosby's, the Josh Jacobs, the Hunter Renfro's of the world. Um, but things went the way they went and now he's getting some downtime. Yeah. He's a hell of an interview though. He's a great interview, man. And, uh, you'll hear that in a couple minutes. Um, the good thing was since we had to interview him on uh, Thursday morning, we got a little bit of an NBA update from last night. Exactly. That's the thing. Like, we, we recorded an open yesterday. You'll hear that in a minute with some softball and a bunch of other BS. But um, last night, okay, remember when Will Compton said, and he got hit over the head for it, rightfully so, that, like, college basketball sucks. Right. And it was for all these, I don't know, it was weird reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to make that argument – 
if you want to if you if you want to discredit March Madness and college basketball, all you have to do is turn on TV the last week and a half in the NBA. Yeah. Like this is this is why the NBA is better than college basketball. And stick, and, stick and around the, for another mention of Will Compton and the Mike. Yes, Jack exactly. And, <laughs> and 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 the NBA, like college basketball, to put it into, and many of you might agree, like you get drunk for a couple weeks and hang out with your buddies. It's a social event. It's a gambling event. Most of the teams you don't know them. The quality of the play is like, eh. Mm-hmm. And that was the argument Will could have made. It's like the quality of play is not great. When you watch these NBA guys, man, it's a month and a half of just like insanity. I, I could not believe I was sitting there watching Jimmy Butler catch a ball with less than a half with a half second to yeah. go to tie the game, send it in overtime. They're down sixteen in the fourth quarter. Great play design. The, you got the runs like you got uh, you know March Madness. You have you have the big shots. You have the shots mm-hmm. are better. The defense is better. The athletes are better. Um, still have bad coaching though. You still have bad coaching. Uh, homeboy for the Bucks. Budenholzer. Budenholzer not using one of his two timeouts, and then Hollow Man City on Grayson Allen. Yeah. Fucking Duke guy. You got eight seconds to go. Here I am thinking we're gonna get like. Tyus Edney on steroids with uh, with Giannis dribbling down the court with eight and a half seconds to go, but Grayson Allen doesn't know that. They stop the ball. Great defense. Grayson Allen ends up, he was great defense, stopped the ball, and ends up with the ball. This is something I would do if you drop me and just Euro step at the horn, dude. Like, what the fuck is that? And you went to Duke? Yeah, it's great to see Grayson Allen be not him, though. But this is how disappointing. Yeah, I agree. This is how disappointing a year it was for for the for the Bucks, and that's an all time terrible eight seed draw. I mean, like the Heat, they turn it on. It's and the argument about what we were talking about a while ago that the number one seed should get should to be able to pick who they play out of the play in because they got by far a worse matchup than the Hawks. Although the Hawks are still giving it to the Celtics. Counter argument here. That was fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, you love an eight beating a, a one. Like, uh, I don't know how many times this happened. I remember Matumbo and the Nuggets. I think they upset yeah, a one seed, maybe. The Believe Warriors in yeah. 2007, I believe. It's happened a couple times. But that was so fucking fun. And it wasn't just like a six game, seven game series where they let them hang around. Like, the Heat kicked their ass. Like, when they see Jimmy Butler, they see Jason with the hockey mask. Like, this guy won't go away. He, he might be the coolest player in the NBA. He might have the most juice in the NBA right now. Yeah. If you had to redo the MVP uh, discussion, like he'd be up there, right? Right, and that's the argument against the NBA regular season is that he's clearly been in second, third gear. And you're not season. seeing, yeah, you're not seeing the real value to a team is right now. Yeah. And so I, I that was amazing. And, and Grayson Allen being the, the hollow man was great. And coaching's been amplified in the two Eastern Conference series, like, Budenholzer got completely outcoached by uh, Spolstra, and Thibodeau has been amazing. Like, this is where Thibodeau's value is. it time for Thibodeau to let it go up top? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so Tibbs, and I love him because I'm a Knicks fan, okay? Like, yeah, I root for the Sixers, and that's a weird thing, but I'm sorry I played two years in Philly. Could be Um, the conference final. And it could be the conference final. I think it probably ends up being the conference final. I don't know. Jalen Brunson, you're the fucking man, dude. The Brunson burner. That guy is a true star. He is. And when Julius Randle went out in that game, they definitely lost some steam, and mm-hmm. Cleveland picked it back up a little bit. But they won that series fair and square. Now they get to host a home game for game one. It's going to be awesome. Am I dreaming? It's awesome. And you get Knicks heat. So, you know, 
the like ghosts the 90s of, again. Yeah, Hardaway and Bimbo Coles. Was that his name? <laughs> Bimbo Coles? I think so. Yeah. And fucking Zoe and all those guys, Mace, and just fucking all that fighting. Who do you think is going to fight between the Knicks and the, uh, like Mitchell Robinson and, 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 and Bam? Are they going to carry the torch and fight? I hope we see a fight. With some I'd love to see a fight. That'd be great. I'd love to see a fight. Julius Randle and Jimmy Butler, you know? Maybe uh, Cody Zeller and like... Uh, I'd like to see Kevin Love and Isaiah Hartenstein. <laughs> I want to see Zeller and, and, and somebody. And good for Kevin Love. Like, yeah. he's now starting again after being he, completely benched in Cleveland. It's funny because he's like our age. Yeah. And he runs like he's our age. Yeah. And he kind of looks like me. So I'm kind of <laughs> like, if they stretch me out and put me out on a basketball court, I kind of feel like <laughs> minus the three-point ability, that'd be what it would look like. Um yeah, NBA playoffs are awesome. They're great. Here's uh, our open, and uh, enjoy Mike Mayock. Cowboy Reed, tell him about the golf tournament. Chris Long Foundation Golf Tournament. Bunch of celebs come down. It's Tuesday, May 9th. Is it May 9th, yes. Yep, and uh, a big old party. Last year was great. I luckily got to play. Yeah. Um, our team did decent. Yeah. But uh, Birdwood Golf Course, 18 holes, shotgun start. It's a good little time with a uh, benefiting a great cause. And Monday night. What is a shotgun start? What is the cause? The shotgun start. <laughs> <laughs> start with the shotgun The start. shotgun start is, so we have 22 teams, I think. Everyone is designated a starting hole. And when Got it. shotgun, air horn, goes off, everyone starts. Or is well, it because the golfers spray ac- across the, the, the course? That's a good take. That could be it, too. That would be kind of the, um, you know, hipster take. Hipster it's, take. Wow. Okay, tell us about the cause. The cause. Uh, Chris Long Foundation, one of the yeah. best foundations yes. in the world, mm-hmm. uh, benefiting uh, the water or to helping to solve the water crisis in yep. East Africa yep. and in the United don't States. Forget the don't forget the educational equity, Reed. That's Maybe right. Maybe we need to help you. Yeah. Sheesh. What do you do when you have 22 groups and 18 holes? So you go to a par five. One team usually either hits like right before the, the air horn or you've got two teams on the on the next part, par, the next hole. Oh, because it would take you know four. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I think people would show up to a golf tournament for any cause. Oh, 100%. Uh, you know, that's a great cause you just mentioned. I want to learn more about it, but th- I do think uh, people. And if I want to learn more about it, I go to chrislongfoundation.org. That's right, or okay. Waterboys. Okay, dot org. Um, you don't can also go to follow dot com. Waterboys on Instagram, <laughs> yeah. Twitter, or uh, at Joel91. Go to waterboys.org uh, and solve the world water crisis. So the golf tournament's going to be great. Uh, I don't golf. Uh, last year I tried to dress up like a golfer, and I looked really fucking stupid. And the worst thing is, like, that's the picture they're using on the invites this year. So now that I know that in a calendar year – that picture is going to go out again in the form of an invite. I'm going to get a really nice outfit. Reed, do you want to pick my outfit? Do you want to? I can want, pick your outfit. You, we can go like the the Payne Stewart track mm-hmm. where you've got you know the three quarter knickers with the no. Argyle I don't want to do that. No, nope. pitch cap. me another golfer. Uh, all right. So how about 2008 Tiger Woods? You got the red Nike, Ooh, yeah, Nike yeah. shirt up top, but really baggy pants down low. Or you can go like maybe a 2023 Justin Thomas. Sorry, 2022 Justin Thomas at the PGA on Sunday. Bright pink pants. What about John Daly? 
We could do loudmouth clothing. Yeah, can you find me some loud pants? I got That's it. That's not a problem. I got it. What? Chichi Rodriguez. Perfect. Please pull up Chichi Rodriguez. There's a couple hats upstairs that already fit the mold. Yeah, you would love this. This is your vibe already. Get a load of oh, this. Oh, yeah, look at that hat. Yeah. Yeah, can I get a Chichi Rodriguez fit? Look at we that. Can do that. I think dope. you'd also like uh, Lee Trevino wears uh, trucker hats. He always okay. wears trucker hats. Okay, like a lot that. of options, Reed. A lot of options. Workshop and, and we, me some... We'll, we'll send you stuff, and uh, we should update that picture because I think it was taken at your son's t-ball game. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, there's that picture, and then there's us going to shoot a, an invite picture at the t-ball yeah. game in the grass in the outfield. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, it's really exciting. This year we're gonna we got music. We had music last year. We're gonna have music this year. Are you doing so, the auction again? So the, the auction. We are doing the auction this year. Hmm. Um. Now, Macon did the auction last year. Yeah, he was pretty funny. I was the auctioneer. I was one of two. Yes. Yep. So this year I walked into a meeting and we were laying out the event and they said, and I, I am sorry that I forgot to mention this, Okay. that we found this killer auctioneer uh-huh. and they read me her long resume and you know showed me some video and she's great, right? This is what she does for a living. They must have gone looking for her after you graciously bowed out, right? All right, listen. All right, listen to this. Yeah. Are you saying I got fired? I'm not saying you got fired. Um, maybe just somebody who's actually an industry auctioneer was more replaced. With their, you right? know, replaced. yeah, replaced. You've been replaced. Mutual parting of ways. I got an email from Nancy, executive director of the Chris Long Foundation. In part, it reads. We promise we will let you off the hook for the auctioneering this mm, year. Good spin. Wink face emoji. <laughs> we were so lucky to have you do it last year, exclamation point. Yes. That's a way to that's a way to talk to somebody, you that's know? That's good. Very diplomatic. That's good. So I was fired. That's fine. Do you remember how nervous I was last year? Yes, dude. I want you to be able to enjoy the night. Very nervous. Yep. I didn't really know what yep. we were doing, how it was gonna go. Yep. I had one joke prepared. It it landed. It was a banger. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Skechers. It was a Skechers joke. I think you um, told it more times you told it on, on the this pod. show the last yeah, three right. months. You a drugs so, joke that... Drugs, I did? Yeah, yeah, I don't know you definitely well made fun of me for some drug use thing. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, I would like to get the final tally from last year and then and see how this, this professional stacks up. So you're going to root against... Um, <laughs> Here's a charity. Well, here's one of the, the the dirty little secrets of auctioneering. When you try to get people to raise their hands and and donate money, you gotta like start by getting it going. So it was a very costly thirty minutes. Yeah. For me and my family. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't understand. Yeah. 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 Hey, do I see? Do I see a thousand? Do I see twenty five hundred? Yeah. Yeah, you? I'll join you, huh? Yeah. I'll match. Oh, yeah, because you got to go out there. Yeah. Yeah, you do, uh, you you have do to, assume like, get some it risk. Going. Yeah. Usually you plant people in the crowd to raise their hand. I've been that person before. I've been that person where actually nobody else bidded, and I ended up with a fucking like, uh, house in Normandy for a weekend. <laughs> uh, yeah, so at uh, the Boys and Girls Club, like, uh, you know, because my mom and dad do stuff with the Boys and Girls Club, I was yeah, the card holder. Just get and, it going. Yeah, I got it going to the tune of like, you know, a, a year of like college tuition. Yeah. And not maybe, I don't know what kids are paying this, these days. It was a lot of fucking money. And so I've got this this house in Normandy for like eight people. If anybody wants to go get haunted by a bunch of fucking ghosts and olive drab, all soaking wet, 
Uh, this is in the future? You still have There's like a beach there. You know, people are hanging out on the beach. Yeah, the beach. <laughs> no bad juju at all, you know? But I'm, I'm going to go eventually. I think the IOU still, still stands. That's funny. We got music. Um, <clears throat> Jamie Johnson is coming, and we like Jamie Johnson. Um, Dan Tominski, who, uh, who's like more bluegrass, but we love Jamie Johnson. I'm super excited about both these guys. Uh, making the trip, you know, there's a lot of artists that the way this works to take you behind the curtain, you sign with a, a group to help run the golf tournament. We work with Empire and Empire has a bunch of artists and they hit them up and they say like, it's basically a map. These guys wake up in the morning and they look at the tour schedule and they're like, where do I want to play golf in between? And I'm really happy that these guys want to play golf with us. So um, you can you can do a layup line, Jamie Johnson. Macon by Jamie Johnson. Headed back to Macon. Middle of the Georgia Pines Gotta keep these big wheels rolling To that sweet little thing of mine I gotta get back to Macon It's a great song. I gotta get back to Macon, love all night. I gotta get back to Macon, love all night. I gotta get back to Macon, love all night. Look out, Macon, here I come. So, hell yeah. You tell me. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh... I love covers uh, that he did. I love uh, Set Em Up, Joe. He covered that. That's an old Vern song. And then um, a Four Walls of Rayford, uh, which I think is Leonard Skinner. But uh, I'll go Layup Line today. I'll go because it got me jumping before we started the, the pod. Roots Train, Junior Mervin. Hmm. Yeah. You have a hello? College, Alaska. Hello! Because why not, right? Yeah, because why not? Cowboy made some assertion that we had never shouted out Alaska before. I think we've shouted out Alaska. Don't know about that. Jew knows something we don't read. Okay, <laughs> I think we've, we've, we've spent enough time on hello. Cash App. The easy way to send, spend, save, and invest with friends. Cash App helps you connect effortlessly with your finances and with your people, and that's money. I love going on a float with my buddies, and we all share our cash tags and split the bill. That is what friends are for. Cash App provides us with an easy way to send and spend money, save and invest in stock and Bitcoin. Cash App, however, does not provide a dry pair of pants. You wanna remember that when you get off the river. Try the number one finance app in the App Store. Whether sending, spending, saving, investing, splitting, tipping, donating, or gifting, that's money, and that's Cash App. Download Cash App from the App Store or Google Play Store today to create your own cash tag. Good news. The Thursday show we do with AMP will continue. 4.30 every Thursday. The Greenlight Team, Cowboy Reed, Fax, Kingston, uh, I'll pop through there sometimes. On AMP, you can interact with us really easily. There's a call-in button. We invite call-ins all the time. You can talk directly to us, ask us questions, ask us our favorite music. We might even play some. There's also a live chat during the show. If you have a question about a topic we're talking about, fire it off in the chat. We'll answer. We're going to be uh, we're gonna be doing what we've been doing all fall. Uh, every Thursday at 4.30 on AMP. Uh, check us out.
Reed, we got some voicemails today. I know you're going to play a couple of those. A uh, little NFL uh, news, speculation. Well, one, you know, did you know Rodgers? Well, number one, he looks great in 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 green. Mm-hmm. I mean, he already did, I guess. He was wearing the Jets polo at the news conference. Dude, he looked he looked like the guy went on his darkness retreat and and saw God and now he's like good. He had like a near death experience or something. He looks like sedated, mm-hmm. like good. He looks like a suburban dad. Yeah, like a back the to ha- school haircut. The haircut's great. I love the haircut. I feel like a parent whose kid goes through like a phase mm-hmm. and they're like disapproving of the phase, like the Peaky Blinders haircut. Like he just he just looks so unhappy the last couple of years. He looks like he's gotten some sleep. Some he got sun. his hair cut. Yeah, he got some sun. He's wearing a polo. Brett Favre, skinny. Who he's who Aaron Rodgers is going to always be linked to wore a uh, gray shirt and a white Jets hat in his inner inner no hat no gray shirt for Aaron Rodgers. He signed on World Immunization Week. Mm. Wow, that's pretty interesting. Stay woke. I don't know what's going on here. Also, today uh, is the day John Wilkes Booth died. Read. Nice. Be careful walking around. Yeah, Yeah. seriously. And then uh, it's Hug a Friend Day. Oh. Yeah. 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 Be happy to. Okay. How'd that feel? I don't want to be. I don't want to be weird or anything. He got the upper hand. No. Like I think I actually needed that. (laughs) Yeah, you don't get a lot of hugs, do you? No. And I've been carrying a lot of stress, and that actually felt good. Good, good, like I'm yeah. buzzing a little yeah, bit. Yeah, hug a friend, dude. That was good. useful. Yeah, good. We can do it at the, We can do it before uh, mailbag too. If yeah. You want. Okay. Um, I like that holiday. It's not commercialized. There's no. No. In it. no. Um, also, Niners speculated to have been kicking the tires, which could mean anything, on uh, on Lamar Jackson. Um, I thought there was a, a league-wide mandate not to kick the tires on Lamar Jackson, but the Niners have kicked tires on Lamar Jackson. I get it, and I, here's why I get it. Now they don't have any capital draft-wise, but they have great players. That's what the Niners are known to have, like a really stacked roster. They have a ton of great players that they could move, and you might say, hey, like moving a Ward, moving an Armstead, moving an Ayuk, because like Baltimore would want a wide receiver would be a, he- a heavy cost to pay. But like, what has it yielded having all these great players the last couple of years? If I'm the Niners now, I know this is probably just a smoke screen of some sort or a rumor, but um, yeah, that sounds good to me. Like in that offense, hell yeah. You could throw fucking Brock Purdy in, Reed was saying, yeah, throw in a quarterback. Um, but yeah, like if I'm the Niners, I look up after five, six years, this window has been wide open. It's time to do everything you can with a known commodity to try to cash in on this window. And they have some good players under contract till like 25. The window is still open. Uh, I would I would consider it. Two first round picks from them isn't as damaging as it would be to some other teams because yep. they'd be later in the first yep. round. No question. Uh, last thing, Chase Young, fifth year option, not gonna happen yep. uh, in Washington. I know he's been hurt. Um, he, he got off this hot start. Uh, I think he's probably on the block, you know, you know, trade him and then have somebody else do his deal. Um, so that should raise some antennas as well. Cause I, I do think the guy's a good player. Um, I don't think he's what people necessarily thought he was, but the injuries haven't helped. That was the report that he's, he might be a draft dra- draft day trade. That's uh, right. That'd DeAndre Hopkins also might be a, uh, 
Wednesday today or yeah. So keep an eye out your today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Bills and the Chiefs were possible landing spots for him. Even oh, I would love to see him in in Kansas City. Oh, he would kill it in either places. And Von Miller was um, Von Miller was saying we that would put us over the top. Yeah, yeah. Openly campaigning. Yep. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades customizable snow goggles, and much more. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. That's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, like I probably would, they told us that they will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after you purchase. They're essentials for me. I mean, whether it's a little bit dark at softball at night and I wanna look cool out there at second base, need to eliminate a little bit of the glare from those really bright lights, or if I'm out on the river and I wanna keep the sun out of my eyes, uh, they're great looking shades. They're functional, uh, they're durable. If you don't love them, exchange for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out the best deal of the new year. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code GREENLIGHT for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try it for yourself. These shades have been rated five stars by over 200,000 people. If you're in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, or right here in Virginia, and you haven't tried the WinBet app yet, I have great news for you. Sign up today to receive special offers and take advantage of great promos. Don't miss out on the fun. Download the WinBet app today. Terms and conditions apply, must be 21 or older, and present in a state where WinBet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, y'all too, 1-800-889-9789. Hey, I just want to thank everybody for calling in. Feels good to, to hear your voices. You know, usually we're just talking at a wall, so this kind of colors in the uh, the listenership. So far, you guys are pretty creative people with good takes. Keep cowling. What's the number, cowboy? 202-991-0723. Call in, give us your uh, best 30-second take, especially after the draft. We have draft uh, tonight, Friday, this weekend. We're going to be live streaming, but we want to hear from you uh, after your favorite team makes a selection, maybe your college, your favorite college player gets picked to a place you don't want them to go to. Uh, give maybe your, your wife leaves you. Call us. True. Talk about anything and everything. Well, hey, yeah. Should we give a couple prompts? Yeah. Is your wife leaving you? Call us. Give us your best. Your wife is leaving you story. <laughs> the the tales of betrayal. What are you doing in this situation? <laughs> Be honest. <laughs> Okay, Reed, hit us with the voicemails. This is from our friend in Lafayette, Louisiana. I got the green light, baby. <laughs> I'm not drunk. 
But I've been drinking. <laughs> Middle of light, of course. What do you mean? Lifelong Packers fan. I love Rodgers as a person, but not as a player anymore. That's interesting. And the fact that he didn't retire and we got assets for him. And he will all, he's only going to play one more season. And he changed his number to number eight. Mm. Which is exactly how many games the Jets will win next year. Oh, that's a hot Poetic take. Poetic justice. Poetic Got justice. him. Find me at the Jesse Lasalle Show on YouTube. Oh, he's a YouTuber. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Lafayette, Louisiana. Okay, good. Well, that's good. Uh, it's a hot take. Eight games. I'll take the over on that. What is the Vegas win total for the Jets in the wake Ooh, of you this want, whole thing? Do you want to set it? Think yeah, 12 and a half. 12. And a half. 12. No, you know what? They'll probably get, yeah, they will go lower. Uh, 11 give me and 11. 11 and a half. 11. I think I saw 11. Yeah. So I would take the over on 8 or 11. <laughs> uh, guy, the raging Cajun. Yeah, down there with the hot takes, drinking but not drunk, and um, we like him. Up ten. Ten. ten, 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 toughest division in football. I just think they're going to be good. Well, should we talk about softball before? Sure. Jesus Christ. Okay, we're we're five hundred. Jesus, we're pretty freaking good. We're good. Last night was the first night that I was like, yeah, we're good. I think the other team knew it. Yeah. They Our had a pitcher with a crazy windup. The guy was—it was like a—I don't even know how how to describe it. His name is Aaron. We yeah. met him after the game. He is he cool? Over. Yeah, he was—he was a good dude. Just has an uncool windup. Yeah. What um, do you mean he came over? Well, uh, myself, the, Rob, yeah. and another, a gentleman from the other team, Sam, were having over or were having a couple of sodas after the game, and this gentleman, Aaron, wandered over and said hi because Sam and Aaron play on the same Monday night team. Ah, uh, okay. Wow. Okay. A little interleague yeah. play. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, we were good. You know, JP hit two dongs. I mean, this guy is. Should have had three. He's like Mark McGuire. I mean, if there's an MVP for the league, is there? He should be Are on the watch. Awards? Uh, he should be on the watch list. Yeah, I mean, he has. He's the front runner. The league He's batting like runs. 750 with eight home runs. Dude, it's incredible. It's incredible. Fax hit another bomb. I don't Fax know where good. this came from. Because the first game, I was like, he's not going to be a great hitter. He wasn't a baseball player growing up. It is a different sport. He is a fucking good hitter, dude. You he, think he should bat uh, yeah. fifth? Yeah. Yeah, if you guys want to bat him fifth, bat him fifth. I mo- I had him at six, and I moved him down, and yeah. he gave me props and putting him at seven because you're, you're five, yeah. it was Rob, yeah. and you just hit singles and doubles. Singles and, and doubles, perfect. yeah. Rob does the exact same, and yeah. facts hit bombs. Bombs, so, so yeah, Pete ducks on the pond for... Makes sense. Exactly. But I'm fine. I would uh, gladly relinquish the coveted five spot for, for, for Nate. Yeah, Are it's not worth good. it with nobody on base to hit a home run. Are you trying to hit the ball on the ground? No, I, I have a baseball swing. Yeah, I asked you. JP, I was sitting in the dugout last night, and I was like, "So what?" You were like, "How do you?" So how do you? <laughs> how would you like, say what do it you is? Do, How would you do that? You know? And he just laughed. We all laughed, and then uh, our boy Anthony struck out right as we all laughed. Struck out. Yeah, he struck out. That's too bad. Yeah. Well, it's not. It, it happens. Do you start with like a one-one count? Yes. Okay. Yes. Umpire smoking a heater between innings. It's. Was he looking or swinging? Uh, Twan was he, swinging. Yeah. Okay. So it's I think tough because the umpire um, is a she. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
It's tough. Uh, he foul tipped the first one, then took a big cut and and missed it. Uh-oh. Wookie Wookie batted last night. First swing, did the same thing. Big old cut and missed it. But then he put one right over his second base. Yeah, listen, we, we're 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 firing on all cylinders. We okay. should be proud after that. So how do you hit dingers? You got to slow your swing down, and you got to kind of you you got to kind of hit the ball down and up mm-hmm. like it's like a fucking it's it. you got to chop at it. Mm-hmm. And I'm just not a chopper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not chopping broccoli. You're getting on I'm base. You, no, I'm on base. Game, you were like, hey, I had a left hand cigarette, so don't show. And this. that's the thing, yeah. And I, I told before. I told uh, Tucker, I was like, hey man, you know, like uh, I just wanted to tell you this just in case uh, I, I play good. Uh, but if I don't play good, don't share this, but I broke my rule because I've been pretty good about not getting high before the sun goes down, mm-hmm. you know, but I was a little stressed out yesterday going to the ballpark and, you know, got, now here's the thing about smoking a left-hand cigarette when you get to the ballpark, it does not make you better in the field. I didn't do the the scouting on this team. They hit the ball to second base a lot. A lot. Okay, so you, so you had your work cut I made out, several though. plays, but there was one ball that I... Yeah. I definitely made a business decision on mm-hmm. that fucking thing was I could hear it. And so I tried to backhand it went right through my glove. Then there's a pop fly. The lighting's bad. So you need to drag hard. the infield and, a little but bit. You had one, you scooped it and underhand tossed. It yeah. The yeah. Listen, the lead runner. That was good. Yeah. I was paranoid. Yep. Yep. That was smart. <laughs> um, okay. Matt scored from second. He sprinted around second. We had, uh, oh, that was great. That was great. We had some good base nice. running. Yeah. Nice, yeah he looked fast. I barely saw him. Yeah. So, okay. Let's go. Mike Mayock. Presented by Miller Lite. Yep, Miller Lite that's our Miller Lite light draft segment. Right. It's going to be like a fucking hour long. The NFL draft's coming up. Have y'all been keeping up with the potential prospects? Did the results of the combine change your mind? Who are you pulling for to join your team? Where will our top picks go? It's anybody's guess, and we've seen some wild selections over the years. But there's one selection that every football fan can share, and that's an ice-cold Miller Lite. The game's definitely changed over the years, but Miller Lite is still the perfect beer for draft time, game time, and any time in between. And don't forget, Miller Lite is a proud sponsor of teams like the Packers, the Vikings, the Ravens. I'll be celebrating these draft picks as I watch them cross the stage and embark on this great journey. There's a lot to celebrate, but I'll continue celebrating being able to watch these guys play for years to come with a nice cold Miller Lite on my lap in my most comfortable chair. The work is just beginning, gentlemen, but not for me. Miller Lite knows that beer lovers want their light beer to taste like beer. That's why they brew a light beer that's light on calories, not taste. Because what's the point of having a beer if you can't taste it? Till kickoff comes around again, enjoy the beer that tastes like the season. Miller Lite, great taste, 96 calories. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com GreenLight. Or you can pick up some Miller Lite pretty much anywhere they sell beer. It's Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. All right, so special guest this morning. It is draft week. Um, One of my favorite dudes, somebody I've known a long time, somebody who me and my pops have a a rich history together. Uh, Mike Mayock joins me. Mike, how you doing, man? You know what, Chris? I was I was thinking this morning about this podcast, and I was thinking of kind of the history of our families, yeah. right? And you know, me and your dad go back when he was my recruit at Boston College, yeah. and then we were teammates in the Blue Gray game, 
And I'll never forget, it was the night before your draft. Yeah. New York City, mm-hmm. you had a big party yep. at, a, at a restaurant. Yep. And you guys invited me, and I brought my daughter, yep. who was like a 20, 21-year-old college student. Yep. And I didn't know you were going to have, like, the whole Virginia football team there. <laughs> Yeah, I brought some friends. <laughs> and I walk in with my college-age daughter. I'm like, oh, shit, really? <laughs> I-, I felt like I walked my daughter into Lions the Lions' game. Yeah, don't worry. None of those guys have game. <laughs> well, one of them kept coming. Like, I thought that between me and your dad, yeah, we would kind of intimidate everybody, yeah, uh-huh. you know? And your dad was... I mean, your dad was great. Yeah. A couple guys were coming up to the table, and your dad was pushing them away. Yeah. And this one dude kept coming back. I wonder who was. And then he kind of got my daughter away when Howie and I were talking about something else, and he invites her on the bus. Oh, no. That, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Did he, was he a skill guy or a big guy? He was cocky. He was a skill guy. He's probably a he skill was, guy. Probably. I think I know who it is, but and, I don't want I don't want to dox anybody. <laughs> and my daughter's like, Dad, you know, they just they seem like really nice guys. Can I go on the bus? And I was like, Hell no! <laughs> I was Are you shit. I was kicked off that bus too that night. I was t- I told this story to somebody recently. Uh, Dad called me at like you know one in the morning and was like, Time for you to go home. He's like, uh, You know, you're about to make more money than you know what to do with, and about. 12 hours uh, or whatever it was, uh, could you just get off the fucking bus and go home? Uh, you know, like, don't mess this up. Uh, so that that's a precarious night. Yeah, that, that bus was on a trip to nowhere good. Nowhere good. And my, da- my daughter didn't need to be on it, and at a certain point, you, you didn't, didn't need to I didn't need to be on it, yeah. So, so Mike, tell me, uh, tell me what my dad was like when he was younger. Oh, man. I could tell you some stories, but my introduction to your dad was he was a 16-year-old high school senior. So think about that. Most high school seniors today are 18 or 19. Your dad was 16. I was a freshman at Boston College, and I had, was I 17 or 18? I guess I had just turned 18. Um, And every weekend we got recruits, you know? And uh, my roommate, Danny Conway, and I, we just kind of, I think he got 20 bucks to, for the recruit. Yeah. You know, and we used to pull our 20 bucks, so we had 40 and a couple other guys in the dorm and buy as many beers as you could buy for that amount of money. Mm-hmm. And then the recruits would come rolling in, and uh, I had your dad. Mm-hmm. And we used to play these drinking games, Cardinal Puff and all these different games. And your dad was not a big drinker. Never Still has been not a big, big drinker. drinker. No. Right. And here's this like great looking Adonis. He was skinny. Yeah. Like, you know, the perception you have now is Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah, uh-huh. right? He was skinny, uh-huh. but you could tell he was going to fill out the big hands, yeah. the, the, the shoulders like this mm-hmm. wide. He was going to fill out. And, um, we loved him, yeah. and it, it's hard. You get so many recruits, it's hard to remember any of them, you know. But your dad was not a drinker, and he tried to hang in and play a drinking game, <laughs> and uh, he ended up puking. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> 
and I, and I'll never forget it. He we, we he looked around the card ta- the table, and with the poise that he shows today on Fox, he he looked around the table. He said, "Gentlemen, I'm going to have to puke. I'll be right back." <laughs> <laughs> and he stood up yeah. and he basically ran to the, the to the communal shower in our dorm, yeah. puked his guts yeah. out, came back in and started to play the game oh, again. Good. And at that at that point he became a cult hero. <laughs> okay, good. So so this is this is cause he had told me, listen, I didn't go to BC because they wanted me to be a guard, but maybe it was alcohol poisoning. After all. It, it could have been that. And the other story I heard, which maybe you can fill in with the, the family, um, it, it's kind of, I don't think, I don't know if they want to play guard or not, yeah. but, um, it, you know, you know where your dad grew yeah. up. And it was in the midst of all the busing crisis yep. mm-hmm. uh, for racism in, yep. what, you know, in Boston. Yep. And I, I think uh, his grandma took him out in the burbs yep. M- his last year or two in high school, right? Mm-hmm. That yeah, right? that's right. Yeah, got him out of Charlestown. Yeah, and I think, and again, you got to confirm it with, with Pops, but <clears throat> part of what I remember is that the family didn't want him in the Boston area right. for college because there was too, too much going on from Charlestown and, and all that kind of yeah. shit. And I think initially he verbally agreed to go to BC, but obviously ended up at Villanova. And I always understood it was because the family was trying to get him to a quote safe place. Yeah. 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 I think, uh, I think that definitely had something to do with it. You know, Charlestown was rough and you know, him getting out of the city was like, it was almost like an emergency with his family situation and with everything going on. So yeah, he could have been a BC Eagle. You guys could have been teammates, but You've remained close to this day, and I know when I texted him last night that you were coming on the show, he was hyped, uh, and and he told me to prompt you for a couple stories. But uh, how you, you miss it? Are you missing things, man? Like this is your first draft. When we talked the other day, you were like, I was like, I want you to come on. You were like, I'd love to come on. I'm not really keeping up with the draft right now, so I'm not going to be able to be my normal Mike Mayock, you know, telling me who's got the bubble butts and who's 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 got the ankle flexion. <laughs> Uh, but like in general, are you missing the process of TV or being a GM and being in the war room this time of year? Yeah, you know, Chris, it's a great it's a great question. Um, when I got fired, it was January after the uh, twenty one season. We had just lost to the Bengals in the playoffs, yep. so we we're a playoff team. And I think me and Basaccia, um, who to me. It, it's criminal that he's not a head coach in the NFL. It's friggin' criminal. Yeah. That's a different topic. Yeah. But he and I were kind of excited. We're coming off a 10-7 and seven season. We had the ball on nine-yard line going in against the Bengals yep. with four shots in 35 seconds to tie the game and get in overtime. Obviously, we didn't get it done. They went to the Super Bowl, and Rich and I get fired. Yeah. Um, so... We were coming off a situation, Chris, and you've been through good teams and bad teams because yep. I remember who drafted yep. you. Yeah, I right? do too. <laughs> <And> <laughs> we inherited a four-win team, yeah. and we three years later were 10 in the playoffs. So I think Rich and I felt like we had a good young nucleus to build from. 
Um, we were a playoff team, and we felt like we were positioned, you know, with Derek Carr and a veteran quarterback to kind of take the next step. Um, so there was some energy and excitement around that team and that program and in that building. Yeah. Guys like Max Crosby, who I think Max Crosby is one of the best people I've ever met in my life. Amazing. Um, so I'm com- that's my headspace when I got fired. Yeah. It was kind of fired up about where this thing could go. Um, and then when I got fired, um, it was kind of like, wow, what's next? Yeah. Um, what was I, 63 years old? Um, this is a job that takes no prisoners. Mm-hmm. It's like seven days a week. It's 15 hours a day. You don't get a day off. Even when you do have a day off, it's you don't have a day mm-hmm. off. Um I looked like shit. I felt like shit. I wasn't working out enough. Um, And so what was hard for me, and I'll tell you where my wife was really good, is she was just like, hey, we're we're out in Vegas. we got a lease on a house. We're East Coast people. Here we are out in the West Coast. Let's take advantage of it before we go home. So we flew to Hawaii, right? We we went to the Napa, Napa Valley. We did some shit that I've never done to kind of just have some downtime and spend some time with my wife. And that that was kind of cool, Chris. You know, I'm I'm not really used to that or good at that. Mm -hmm. And then when we came back to Philly, um, a lot of my, you know, we're down the Jersey Shore, which is my favorite place in the world. What's the beach? um, What's the beach for Mike Mayock? Yeah, we're in Ocean City, New Jersey. Yep, I just wanted people to know. Uh, Yeah, that's, that's the best beach town. It's a dry town. We, we, but it's the it's that? a dry town. But you can bring your own beer. It's a dry town because you can't buy alcohol in the town. But people bring so much liquor across <laughs> the bridge, you could almost sink the. Island. Yeah, exactly. I love I love the place. Right? I love the place. Just for the record. <laughs> well, you married a Jersey yep, girl, yep, right? And an Ocean City gal. So yeah. yeah. So yeah. So I I don't know. So Chris, that's already too long an answer, but. Uh, for the last year, uh, I did game, some games for Westwood One Radio, yeah. which I had a blast. Um, I'm a coach's son. I think I'm always going to have to kind of be involved in football somehow. Yeah. And I'm not. I don't. It's probably not back in a building. But if it's um, if I'm doing television or radio games and I get a chance to be around it, watch film more than anything, Chris. And I think you get it more than anything. I miss the people. Yeah. The people in the friggin' building are the glue and what brings you back every morning. Yeah. So this time of year, as a GM, when you were when when you wore that hat, uh, what's today like? I mean, what what's the thing about today that people don't realize? And I, for me, it was kind of like the haze in the barn. You we, you stack the board, probably finalized the, the board last weekend. You got your top coaches and scouts with you over, you know, over the weekend, stacking the board, getting yourself where you want to be. And for me, yesterday and today was about trying to clear headspace, right? And and try and get a couple workouts mm-hmm. in, try and get a couple good nights sleep in, because mentally you got to be on top of your game, moving up, moving down. Um, you know what 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 are you doing on your draft board? And I think ironically, what helped me a little bit with the draft board was my time at NFL Network. Right. 
because you, you kind of had to wear the hat of all 32 GMs. Yes. And I did it for 18 years. Yep. And different GMs had different uh, roadmaps to what they like to do. So I felt like I had a pretty good idea of what, what type player typically goes in certain spots. Yeah. Uh, and which GMs let, are open to moving up and back, and which aren't. Yeah. So I had a lot. I had a lot of fun. What, what I found, Chris, and I didn't know heading into it. Um, I had a lot of fun draft weekend, just because there's so much pressure, and you get a phone call, or you make a phone call, and you're on the clock, and that deal is going to get done or not get done in the next two minutes. Yeah. It's the ultimate poker game. Yeah. Right, it's 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 a charge, and if you're a personnel guy, not a coach, if you're on the personnel side, draft weekend is kind of your Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. and, and you know, I I've taken a lot of heat about some of the first round picks, and that's cool. I I, I get it, but I love draft weekend yeah. every year. Yeah. How much? I mean, you you definitely had some really good picks, and then you know, obviously, every GM has ones that that they're like, yeah, I want that one back. What's the what's the division of uh, labor with you and say John when he was there, as far as making certain picks? Like, you know, do you guys split it? Do you guys negotiate? Uh, is there like, a, you know, a trump card that that John can put down because he's the head coach and just the nature of how he was, or how does that work? Well, every team's different. Yeah, and the dynamic in the building is different. Yeah. Um, most teams, the GM will have quote final say, yeah. and the the main reason for that, Chris, is a head coach. Most head coaches can't see past Sunday, yeah. and I'm talking about next Sunday, yes. right? I mean, they have to win. It, it's not they have to win now or they get mm -hmm. fired, and justifiably, mm -hmm. that's their attitude. That's what it should be. I want to friggin' win now. Yeah. GM's job is a little bit more of a big picture situation, yeah. especially when you filter in salary cap and every, the best use of your money. Uh, every team's owner has a different cash position in the world, and that affects how you manage your cap. And like to give you an example, um, one of the things John and I fought on the most <clears throat> is that we had a certain we had to a certain way we had to handle our salary cap because uh, Mark Davis, prior to getting to Vegas, didn't have a whole lot of ready available right. cash. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, if if you're the Rams, you know, and you want to go out and and trade draft picks and go get a bunch of free agents, the way you can do that to oversimplify is you can give a guy a um, you know you can give Chris Long thirty million dollars oh, guaranteed. Sounds good. <laughs> Dude, that, that would have been a pay cut for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to hear that. When I was that. young. Yeah, I remember yeah. those days. But my point is, you can make the $30 million and, and spread it out over five years if you call it a signing yes. bonus. So it only hits your cap six six million a yeah. year. We couldn't do that. We didn't have signing bonus money like yeah. that. So we had to do our guaranteed dollars in the the the, the, the the, how should I do? We, our guaranteed money was in the uh, annual contract for the player, yeah. not bonus. Yep. And because of that, we couldn't go out and spend 
and prorate mm-hmm. like other teams. And John used to go crazy. Like the Rams would pick up a player or somebody. How the fuck could they do that <laughs> weekend? Like he would go friggin' nuts. Yeah. And it was every week of every year. Yeah. And I'd be like, John, you, you know, that's what it is. Yeah. It's a different structure. And to his credit, you know, he just wanted good players like every other head yeah. coach. So, you know, the, the the dynamic with John and I, I mean, most buildings, it's GM has last say. Our building, it was John had last say. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. We butted heads, which I think is healthy. Yeah. You know, as long I think it's a good dynamic when you're arguing for the betterment of your team. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, it's you know, uh, I could lose some of those battles. Yeah, I you know, looking back at some of the the players that you drafted, I mean, like you know, Max Crosby, especially where you got him, incredible. Hunter Renfro, Josh Jacobs, guys like that. I know Leatherwood was probably more of a Gruden guy, uh, you know. But I think it's an interesting question I wanted to ask you is because I don't hear GMs do it a lot, is like, hey, listen, when you miss on a guy, it happens. It's fucking hard. It's like, you know, look at everybody's mock draft every year if you think you can do it. Uh, try that on for size. But like, you know, a feral or something, when you look back at that, and I don't want to necessarily single him out, but um, it, do you know pretty quickly that you're like, damn, you know what, he's not the player I was hoping he was. Like at what point in camp – because, you know, as players, we can tell kind of quickly. Um, you yeah. know, we, we, we see the ceiling. We see some of the deficiencies, maybe some of the incompatibilities that it would have been hard to project coming from college to the pros. How quickly do you know that? And then when, do you, when you go back and look at the process, are you able to pinpoint where you maybe were a little bit off? Yeah. Um, I mean, a, a couple days after I get fired, I talked to Bill Polian. Yeah who's a Hall of Fame GM, yep. and, and he got he got fired in his career. and Everybody gets fired in football. <laughs> pretty much. I I just wanted to ask him some advice, how to deal with yeah. it. And um, I filled up a notebook with his advice. Yeah. And one of the things he said is, you need to take a step back and write down everything you did for three years, everything you did well, everything you did poorly, and you need to learn from that. Yeah. And you got to be honest with yourself, which is kind of where you're coming yeah. from here. Um, the whole Clee thing, Clee was kind of, was my guy. Yeah. The the coaching staff really wanted a defensive lineman. Yep. We were picking number four that year in 2019. Yep. And I knew the first three picks were going to be Kyler Murray, one, uh, Bosa, two, to San Francisco, and Quinn and Williams, three, to the Jets. And then four, Chris... I'm telling you, the morning of the first round, I called John Lynch and tried to move up to two. Yeah, that would have made it a lot easier. Well, I mean, yeah. Bosa, it's funny because you, you probably saw Steve Kime yeah. the other day was on a show yeah. and was talking about Bosa being yeah. chirping in the building. Uh-huh. Bosa was great. Yeah. I, we all loved yeah. him. And he told me a, a, a variation of what he told Kime. He, he was leaving our building after the 30 visit, and I said, Nick, we're picking four. I don't. You're not going to be there. He said, well, then you need to move the fuck up, don't you? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and um, I love yeah. him. He, he was a little bit chirpy yeah. and a little bit cocky, yeah. and but in a good yeah. way. You know? Um, and we did. We tried to move up to two and didn't get yeah. him. We tried to move up to three yeah. to get Quinn and Williams, and Jets said no. I tried to trade down 
You know, people, fans always say, well, just move down. Yeah. Well, you know, you need a friggin' partner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we tried to trade down with everybody. Yeah. And nobody wanted to come up to four. Yeah. And I kind of told John that the day before the draft, that was what was going to happen. Right. We we're going to be sitting at four, not being able to move. Um, here was my take on Clee, Chris. And, and obviously I, w- I was wrong. I was hoping... I think I told you this once, but I'm not sure. I was hoping that Clee Farrell could become Chris Long. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you did mention um, that. Yeah. I, I even, after his first or second year, I even put together a Chris Long clip. I went back in the tape and, and I found you your first two years. Yeah. And I, I want to say. Your first two years, you probably had a total of seven, eight, nine sacks. Yeah, it was like nine or ten. Two years. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Um, Clee had, I think, four and a half the first year and two the second yep. year. And I put a Chris Long reel together. Yeah. And I brought Clee in my office, and I was just like, Clee, you know, this was my comp for you. Yeah. And I want you to see a couple things here. I, I want you to see, number one, that this is a guy that didn't come in the league and have 14 sacks year right. one. Right, yeah. He had like four yeah. year yeah. one. Okay, you had four yep. year one. Okay. I think Chris's third year, you had eight or nine, yeah. and then you popped. Yep. Like your fourth and fifth year, you were double, double digits. Yep. Right? So my point to Clay was, here's a guy that outworked people, his hand use was off the charts. Um, every year, you could see a different guy on right. tape, which is a testament to you, yeah. okay? And what I was trying to show Clay, because I think he was getting frustrated with the weight of being the number four It's a lot, pick. yeah, it's a lot, yeah. yeah. Right? So I wanted him to see that there was a clear path Right to 70 or 80 sacks, two Super Bowls, Pro Bowls. Yeah. I wanted him to see, even though he was the fourth overall pick, here's the second overall pick yeah. who didn't jump out of the gate killing yeah. it as far as numbers. Yeah. numbers. yeah, which right? is ultimately what the people at home are going to weigh you on. Right. And I think he was feeling that shit heavy. Yeah, no question. Really yeah. heavy. And, and so my message to him was, look, and he was a hard worker, tough kid, smart. My thought process on the way in, Chris, flawed as it is, was that if we're quote if we're kind of stuck at four mm-hmm. and we want a defensive lineman, and we we had looked real hard at Josh Allen, who we liked a lot, yeah. who's been, good player, become a good, good player, good player yeah. for Jacksonville. Yeah. Um, the def- the defensive tackle from Buffalo, Marcel, um, not Marcel, uh, Oliver. No. Yeah. A little quick Oliver, guy. Oliver. Yeah, uh, I got my Ed Oliver. Oliver. Yeah. Yeah, they were the other two guys that were in the conversation. And I think they went seven and nine to Jacksonville and Buffalo. They, they So they were kind of the three guys in the conversation. Yep. And I kind of said to John the night before, look, if, if, it, if we get stuck tomorrow, my gut tells me that Clay is the kind of kid, tough, physical, yeah. work ethic, that we want to show who our type of guy right. is. If we're going to make any mistakes, let's make it with culture. Him. Yeah. Okay. 
and 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 let's hit a solid double mm-hmm. and not worry about a home yep. run. And we're going to take a ton of shit because you probably could have gotten them at twenty four, mm-hmm. yeah, instead of four. Yeah. Okay, but let's understand that going in, and let's agree that um, he's our kind of guy, and we're going to build yeah. him. And obviously, you know, I love Clee, and I'll defend Clee the person till I yeah. die. Um, but obviously, to this point in his career, he hasn't been that guy. Yeah. Well, it's it's a hard thing. I mean, like um, so much, so many little physical uh, evaluations that you know seem like uh, these are little things, but then when you get up to the next level, whether it's like arm length or like a little bit of an- ankle flexion or a little bit of hip mobility or leverage, like it just doesn't project the same. And I think defensive end is one of the toughest positions. Uh, pass rush is a really tough position to to, and then you have the the issue like this year. I know you're not paying attention, but the kid from Texas Tech is is like uh, is like this this avatar of a guy, right? He's got all this ability, yeah. and then you've got uh, Anderson at Bama, who's more polished. Uh, and you kind of have to make that decision: it's like, do you take the upside or do you take the quote unquote safe pick? And um, that's a tough deal. I and then you know that 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 year in the draft. What probably made it even harder for Clee was that was Max Crosby's year, wasn't it? You know, Chris, it's interesting because had Clee played like Max, everybody's happy, and Max played <laughs> Max played like Clee. Yeah, that, you basically got your your guy. If you picked Max Crosby at four, everybody's like, great pick. You know, and if you pick right. Clee in the fourth round, <laughs> you know, so you ended up netting out with a with a top five pick and a and a fourth rounder, you know? It's it's kinda I sit back and kinda giggle yeah. because we had five pro bowlers come out of that draft, yeah. the two thousand nineteen draft. People are killing us because of the first round picks and I get yeah. it, right? But if Josh Jacobs if you had Josh and and Klee played like Max, right. people would be going, "Oh, what a great!" Yeah. They got Hunter Renfro yep. and AJ Cole's a Pro Bowl punter, yep. and you know. Anyway, no, but Max, I mean, it's Max just, is one of my favorites, and um, I, I always saw Jared Allen um, because of his length and the way he can kind of post people and get you know three quarter horizontal and and just you know the the hand activity, the whole thing, like. Do you beam with pride watching that guy, and do you see Jared, or what makes him so good, and what did you see in, in, in your evaluation that made you take him? Yeah. You know, we, we were at Max's wedding about three weeks ago, a month ago, yeah. and um, we had a blast, and uh, I danced my ass. That's what I heard. I heard you did wedding. some dancing. I went off. I, I was having some. Are fun you a solo because, dancer, or are you, you you are you like do you clear the dance floor for yourself, or do you play well with others? My my era, you know, you used to have a line, you know, from that old the, the old dance show, and they would play some kind of funk, and you had to go down the line by yourself. I like that. That's my. That's you where know? I thrive. I kill it there. Okay. Just yeah, kill so, it. You and I solo are dancers. Have to do dance solo dancers. All right, so you're at Max's wedding. You got a couple pops in you. You're dancing. Pick, we had a blast, it and it's just... <laughs> I know it's a bad look for, like, a 64-year-old. No, it's dude. not. I, I get no, that. No, it's not. Everybody loves it. Um, so Max, to me, is one of the most special people I've ever yeah. met to the point where 
that's why I reached out to your dad when when Max was a rookie, and I wanted Max and Howie to to start a conversation because I thought Max was so damn special that hearing from a Hall of Fame guy that was a defensive lineman and could kind of I don't want to say mentor because that that you know that puts responsibilities on your dad. But the point is, they kind of connected yeah, and clicked. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that if he can, like he, you know what his off the field stuff yeah. was. Even coming out of college, yeah. we knew we had a there was a potential for a drinking problem. Yeah. We knew there was some stuff we were going to have to probably face and manage. Yeah. And to Max's credit, he went to rehab. I, I can say all this because he's yeah, he went he's public about with it. it. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many times a guy walked in my office and closed the door, and we just talked about life, yeah. you know, not not football. Um, he's got some incredible goals in his football life. I mean, he he knows where he wants to go, yeah. and the shit he does as far as a leader. Yeah. I mean, that's his team. I mean, Mac. I remember his second or third year. You know, we're in Vegas, and you know how hot it is in Vegas. Yeah. So you got to practice at like seven thirty in the morning yeah. in training camp. Yep. You're off the field around nine thirty or ten because it's a hundred degrees. Yeah, you got to get out. And we'd get done, and John would call everybody up and release everybody, and Max would jog down to the to the end zone and start running gasses. Yeah. And and you're going, holy, really? Yeah. He, he's not saying a word to anybody. He's just jogging down the end of the field, and he's running gasses. And then the next thing you know, Yannick Ngakwe's down there yeah. with him. You know, and 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 then the whole defensive line's down there. And he hasn't said a word to anybody. And it's just leadership. Mm-hmm. He's an innately a leader. He doesn't care if you're black, white, male, female. He just wants you all in. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And Chris, you had some of that. I used to watch you at practice with the Eagles. Yeah. And you were a unifier. Yeah. You brought people together. And and I thought that was I loved watching you around your teammates and Max is the same way. Yeah, I love the kid, man. The sky's the limit for him. And then you know Hunter Renfro is one of my favorite guys to watch uh, outside because his footwork. It's just, I mean, as a pass rusher, there's some parallel between what they do and what we do sometimes. And I really appreciate the way this guy plays. What was the process like in identifying him as a guy you wanted in the building, and uh, what do you think makes him so good? John and I had some interesting conversations about Renfro, and um, to John's credit, when we got him in the camp as a fifth-round pick, and the the way we got Hunter was we traded down two or three times in the fourth round. We picked up an extra couple picks, which included, I think it was a pick that we got as Foster Moreau in the fourth yep. And then the extra five allowed us to trade back up and get Hunter Renfro. And the first day of training camp, his first man-to-man drill, you you know, put your as a defensive end, you couldn't wait for your first one-on-one drill Mm -hmm, with a tackle, mm -hmm. right? As a rookie, you had to win that, right? Yeah. So Hunter gets into his first one-on-one, first day of training camp, and our starting nickel, LaMarcus Joyner, yeah, I played with seven LaMarcus. years in the yeah, league. I played with him. LaMarcus jumps in right as soon as he saw Hunter he couldn't wait. jump yeah. up in the slot. <laughs> he went and found mm-hmm. him, right? And Hunter couldn't get off the line of scrimmage. And John looks at me like, 
Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Next day, same shit. Every time Hunter got up for one on one, Lamarcus jumped in his face and and shit With on long him. ass just arms. Shut. Up. He got his hands yeah. on him and just kind of threw yeah. him down. And everybody's hooting and hollering. And John's looking at me like, "What are we yeah. doing?" Like, really? Uh-huh. Do, do we just waste a draft pick on a guy that ca- can catch the ball but can't separate? Yeah. I was like, give him time, John. This this is a guy that's going to learn shit, nuances that that his capacity to to learn and change his game based on the way he's being covered is was unbelievable to me at Clemson. Yeah. So we get about a week in, and I'm starting to panic a little bit too because yeah. he's getting his ass handed yeah. to him, and. All of a sudden, he gets out there against LaMarcus and shreds him. Yeah. Just just different kind of move, different kind of hand usage, shreds him, bang. So you know what happens. The next, the whole group starts hooting at LaMarcus, mm-hmm. giving him shit. And he's pissed off, and he can't wait to get in and cover the next mm-hmm. time. So the whole team is now watching the next one. And they're hooting and hollering and screaming and everybody's watching this way. And John and I are standing next to each other. Hunter shreds him again. Mm-hmm. Different move. Same result. And the place went nuts. Mm-hmm. And John kind of hits me and goes, hey, maybe we got something. <laughs> and Yeah, you had some. <laughs> and, you know, and, and Hunter's the guy, Chris, that after every practice grabbed Derek Carr. And I think Hunter invented some red zone moves that every everybody else is trying to replicate. Yeah. You know, everybody had a little pivot. He did the fake pivot wheel. Yeah. That was shit that that was shit that he was just working on and he's talking to the defensive backs like if I do this, what's your thought process? Mm-hmm. What happens if I do this and then that? Yeah. And he scored several touchdowns in the 21 season running red zone man to man routes that that just were shit he made up on the practice wow. field with Derek Carr and worked on it every freaking day. He looks good doing it. Uh, you, you mentioned Derek. Uh, how do you feel about the handling of his situation there towards the end? Like, I know he wasn't real happy with it. Uh, he's in New Orleans now. Do you think he's going to have success there? And uh, what was it like kind of being in the building with him? Yeah, that's a really intriguing question. So... I thought John Gruden and our offense coordinator, Greg Olson, did an amazing job with Derek Carr. And every year that I was there, the three years, I thought Derek got better and better and better, which is a testament both to Derek and to the coaching staff. Because part of being a great Coach is, number one, being a teacher individually. Can I make Chris Long better? Number two is to be a great coach is what's the fit? Yeah. Okay, how do I fit Chris into my defense or how do I fit Dark into my – let's take advantage of what they do well, right? So I thought John and Ole did an amazing job. And by the end of the third year, by the end of the 21 season – I felt like whether you like Derek Carr or not, he was a top 12 quarterback in the yeah. league. And if you loved him, maybe he was 7, 8, 9. And if you hated him, maybe he was 11, 12, 13, whatever. But I thought that Derek Carr was a top 12 quarterback. I took the phone calls 
for people trying to trade for Derek Carr. And he was worth more than see a first-round draft. Anybody player. interesting try to trade for him that we don't know about? Well, you don't know about any of them because <laughs> I don't talk. He's the mafia. <laughs> He's the mafia. Yeah, nice try. <laughs> That's good. But I took the phone call, so I knew what his value was at the end of the 21 yeah. season. Okay? So we get fired. We go into 22. And I have no idea what went on or didn't go on in that building. Um, all I know is that he was no longer a, a, a consensus top 12 quarterback, yeah. and they benched yeah. him. And then they moved on from him because they gave him a no, a no uh, trade clause. Yeah. So Dirk kind of had the, at that point, he had the upper yeah, hand the there, and I thought Dirk time. played it big <laughs> yeah. time. And he played it the right yeah. way. And so the Raiders ended up with nothing. Um, and again, I'm not, I'm not giving shit to the Raiders people and I'm not giving shit to Dirk because I wasn't in the yeah. building. I can only tell you what I saw yeah. my three years in the building. And I thought John and Ole did a great job. They put him in a position to win. And I thought he got better every year. Yeah, he, he was, I think he was underappreciated in his tenure there. I think a lot of people, you know, it's so polarizing sometimes a franchise quarterback, what the fan base thinks of him, especially if they're not like bona fide top five. I thought quarterbacks don't grow on trees. That guy's pretty good. Um, and then the other guy uh, that you mentioned already in this pod, and I, I think uh, you had mentioned this separately, was Rich Basaccia, who you loved. And, and I could tell, and as a player, I thought, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, but they always do. Uh, with these interim yep. head coaches because they got a big <laughs> idea. Um, you wanted him back, and that maybe factored into, you know, kind of the way things ended there? I think Richie, after Gruden got let go, I think Richie had 12 games left in the season, and we went 7-5, and five, and we won the last four games. We were 6-7, and seven, and we won four in a row, mm -hmm. Chris, to get into the and, – and we were the number five seed yep. in the AFC. Okay, um, I thought he did an amazing job galvanizing a team, and he and I kind of believe in the same things. So there was unification between front office and coaching staff. Um, but the beauty, and I think you you will get this, um, when the players truly believe in a coach, yeah. it's freaking yeah. awesome. And the thing about Rich is it's, it's genuine. Whether he was the special teams coach or the head coach, he could motherfuck you for two and a half hours on the practice yeah. field. Like very few people yeah. can. He looks like he Richie can. can get after your ass. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. After every practice, like I would go down to see him about something. Again, special teams coach or head coach. I'd run down because I had to talk to him about something. There would always be eight or ten guys, players in his office, and they weren't talking about football. They were talking about their girlfriends, mm -hmm. their wives, you know, uh, how to be a better man, mm -hmm. um, a better parent, husband, all the women around. I, I love my wife. I mean, there aren't that many guys. And, and I'm sure there were some in your lifetime that could influence you and whose opinions you respected yeah. and trusted, yeah. right? Th these guys went to the wall for that motherfucker. They went to the wall for Rich. Yeah. And they believed in him. Yeah. 
And to me, GM hat on, personal feelings aside, yeah. um, I felt like he should have been the head coach. I, I, I felt like he had a 12-week tryout under the most duress you, any, anybody could ever have yeah. coming in and stepping in like he had to. And I thought he showed us who he was. Mm-hmm. I thought the players bought in. And I thought that he should have been the next coach of the Raiders. And to take it a step further, the fact that he's not a head coach somewhere in the NFL um, after what he's done. And there's a whole thing about special teams coaches. You know, they, they, they're not – owners don't want to hire special teams Yeah, it's weird. Even though they, they touch every corner of the locker room, like they, they're used to coaching every man on the roster, which is a real positive to me. You get it. You've been in the locker room a lot yeah. of years. And, you know, Richie's coaching offensive players, defensive players. Uh, the other thing people don't understand is special teams coaches are typically great situational coaches. Right. Because everything pivots around the kick yes. game. What are we doing on fourth down? What yeah. are we are we kicking a field goal? Are we punting? Are we going for it? If we don't so Richie was tremendous, I thought, in situational football. Yeah. As and and we practiced it hard and, and he got after it. So um I I have I'm frustrated for Rich Bisaccia that here's a guy that's sixty or sixty one, whatever, who's more than owned earned the opportunity and uh, hasn't gotten it. So take me through this before I want to ask you a couple draft questions about, you know, just the processes, but like, take me through this with Rich and that experience at the end of that Chargers game. Uh, Where are you watching that game? You're up in the box, whatever. And with the game in the balance, you don't know what the hell's going on. Who's playing for a tie? Who's playing for a win? How did that unfold in real time for you? You got to understand like outside of playing. Yeah which is the best yeah. <laughs> the the next best is to be in the building as part of a team and every friggin' game i'm a little bit of a control freak yeah. you can ask my wife yeah. you can ask my kids um sitting up in a box is hard for yeah. me because i can't control anything yeah. and i will sit there i'm taking notes for three hours mm-hmm. because i can't do anything about it but you're so nervous that you basically puke in your mouth about 10 times a game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You yeah. do. Right? I mean, and, and that's the beauty of it is you can't replicate that selling commercial real estate, no. which I did I for know. 18 years. I heard that. I didn't even know that. <laughs> right? So that Charger game, I've never felt anything like that in my friggin' life. Like, so if, you, if, if we tie or win, we're in, right? But different ramifications as to who we would play. If we tied, I think we're going to Kansas City. If we win, we're probably going to Cincinnati, right? So in the back of my mind is, number one, obviously, I just want to be in. Number two, I'd rather go to Cincinnati. Yeah, because that was the whole, was that the year that y'all stopped on, I blame it on Will Compton, uh, when y'all stomped on the fucking logo there? Uh, I know it wasn't Will. I think it was unique. Uh, but but uh, was that the year that y'all stopped on the logo at, at Arrowhead? That was uh, really... Oh, it was, it was after. Okay, it was the year after, I think. Oh, yeah. Well, either way, I'm the not trying before, to go to Arrowhead after that whole thing. Right. The year before, we we did a lap around Arrowhead 
after we beat them in Arrowhead. We did a, a lap, lap in the buses. Yeah, in the buses. Beeping the horn. <laughs> and and I'm like, oh, really? You, yeah, you, 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 you cooler heads here. They didn't. They... I'm, I'm, I'm going, really? How does that directive get put? Like, is it John being like, hey, bus drivers, take them for a lap? Like, is that what it is? Because he's the guy who can control the, the fleet of Quicks buses. Yeah, John's sitting right up there in that first seat. Tell him to take a lap. <laughs> it's not you. <laughs> and, and, and you got to love John Ford uh... because if John's going to. John, if John's gonna do it, he's gonna do it loud. He, he wasn't sneaking. He wasn't sneaking around no. the stadium, honking the horns. He was beep, telling the guy to beep the horn and screaming and yelling and you know. So we left there making noise, yeah. and I'm sitting there going, "This is really gonna come oh, back." Oh shit! Bite us. They're in our division. I forgot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we had play. So <laughs> that's pretty funny. <laughs> I, I forgot about that. Um, Will Compton is a, another funny story. Just because tell me a Will Compton. I had to story. cut. Yes, I had to cut Will like three times in, <laughs> in two weeks. And, <laughs> and was he cool about it each time? He was so awesome, and, and he and Basaccia love each yeah. other. And like the the we were getting ready to play Cincinnati in the playoff game. I think it was, and I had to cut him again. I needed a spot, right? I'm not laughing. He he come he comes into my office. He's like, "Really? We gonna do this again?" <laughs> uh. And he's like, "And I'm I'm trying to tell him why." And my heart I've been cut so many times. My heart goes out to him, and I'm trying to I'm I'm bleeding, telling him why. Yeah. And he's like, "Mike, you know, I was just like, if we beat the Bengals, I think we're gonna play in Nashville next week." You know, my hometown, that's what I really want to go back and play. And I'm like, oh, shit. No, Will. Oh, that's so funny. Uh, Yeah, it's true. He was about it. I mean, he he was he was he was was pushing for a a hometown deal. That's good. And I don't blame him. I don't blame him. Shit, I am so. He's a hustler. I apologize to him. No, well, Will's the man. Will's the man. But uh, but the tie thing, you guys were like looking at Kansas City and and uh, Cincy, right? Well, so anyway, that that was the year before. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, the 21 thing, the tie. Yeah, so I'm up in the booth shitting myself. Yeah, and we're, we're we should win this game going away. We were up by about three touchdowns. Yeah, I, I think, remember. I remember. And Justin Herbert just starts to go off. They converted, I want to say, a fourth and 21, and they throw a 23-yard touchdown yeah. pass. Like, how do you let that happen? Yeah. I, I'm going nuts. Um, to Richie and the, the play. So everything's going the Chargers' way. Yeah. You know? And to Rick, to, to their credit, Richie and the players, um, we could have played for a tie. Right, and I think we had a third in, I want to say seven or eight, yeah, and right around midfield somewhere, and that was the point where they called a timeout, I think, which I still don't understand, and gave us some extra time to think about how and what to do. But anyway, Josh Jacobs, who is a bad motherfucker, yeah, he's awesome. ripped off about a, a ten or twelve yard run. 
And now we're thinking 100%, let's kick a field goal. We, we got Daniel Carlson, who's as good as there is in, in the game. And sure enough, Daniel Carlson was money, and we win the game. Pittsburgh's in, because I got I, Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert texted me after did. the game. With, with, yeah, big thank yous. Uh, I think Tomlin even sent us like a chocolate thing or something. He didn't send you black um, Air Force Ones? Like, uh, like, he, nah, like he gave his whole nah. team? <laughs> No, but I did find out that his son's playing at Boston College. Okay, cool. Which I didn't yeah. know. Yeah. But any, anyway, so to Richie's credit and Greg Olson's credit and that staff's credit, they played for the win and um, it, it knocked out a couple, you know, it got Pittsburgh in and it sent us to Cincinnati. Yeah. Yeah. That was a wild, that was a wild game. I wanted to ask you, yeah. uh, I asked uh, Steve Kime this recently. I said, was there a team or a GM that when they called you around the draft, you were like, hold on a minute, this can't be good for me because this guy's really good? Well, Howie's, Howie Roseman's got the rep of, of needing or wanting to win every trade, yeah. right? Now, I've gotten, I live in Philly. I know Howie pretty yeah. damn well, <laughs> and I have a ton of respect. Yeah. This is a guy that, Grew up not on the football side of the building, but more on the financial yeah. side. He's smart. He's smart as hell. He he's smart. I know he's way smarter than me. Like Chris Long, smarter than me. <laughs> Howie Long, they're all everybody's smarter than yeah. me. I got to outwork people yeah. to have half a chance, yeah. and I know yeah. that. And then you look at Howie Roseman, and he's brilliant. And um, to Howie's credit, I think he's. Uh, I think he had a little chip on his shoulder where he had to win every deal to show he was a football mm -hmm. guy. I think Howie's grown into the role, and he's really good. And uh, you know, right at the my last year at the trading deadline, we went back and forth on a couple things yeah. um, with with some Eagle players about, and and he's really good. Yeah. And you have to be careful, but I think he's, I think he's. At a point where, yeah, he's, everybody wants to win a deal, but if he can get a deal that helps himself and maybe the other side's happy too, it's okay. How's his bedside manner? Does he call and does he does he butter you up and hey, how how's your family? Or is he cut right? To, and then how's Bill? Like, has Bill ever called you for a trade? And is Bill just is it like five words and then off the phone? Well, I played for Bill, yeah. so I've known Bill since nineteen eighty two. Uh, when I was a rookie with the Giants, yeah. and he was the special teams coach, and really the reason I made the team was because he liked me. So w we've been friends for a lot of years. Yeah. So we could talk, yeah. um, but Bill's tough, man. Bill, Bill's Bill's tough. Bill's always looking for an edge, um, and over the years he's gotten it and he's earned yeah. it. You know, I, I'm not going to lie to you. If if Bill, if if you answer the phone and Bill wants to talk a trade. You want to talk about puking in your mouth? There, there was some of that. There was some of that for me too. I bet. I bet. Because this is like the all-time yeah. guy and and guy I always looked up to, and I'm like, holy shit! He wants to play one on one. He heartbeat. wants to play one on one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? that's scary. But yeah. and the way Howie comes at you is Howie's smart. He's always he's always touching base, yep. like. During training, hey man, how you doing, man? Listen, I I just want to I want to do a deal with you this year, man. I just want to do a deal we with you. What do you do think, it. man? What yeah. are we gonna do, man? Yeah, let's just do a do deal. It. Like somehow we got to figure out a way to make a deal, man. And 
And then he'll call back, you know, so that's in training. And all GMs all talk prior to the 53-man yeah. cuts and stuff. Like, you're trying to you're trying to get something for nothing. Yeah. You know you're going to cut a guy. You're trying to get a seventh-round pick or something. Mm-hmm. So you're always talking. And then during the season, hey, man, I'm just checking in. How you doing, man? Yeah. <laughs> you know, trade deadline coming up in a few weeks, yeah. man. Well, you got uh-huh. anything? What do you want to talk? Uh-huh. You know, that that's how that's we – and, and I love That's him. a different flavor for him. sure than Bill. That's so fucking funny. I mean, it's actually a pretty good impression. I mean, it's pretty damn good. It's like you've been on the phone with him a bunch. Uh, I'm not good at impre- I'm not good at that's that. That's pretty shit, good, but, though. Uh, what do you think about the way the media gets involved here? Like, you know, you've been on the media side of things. You've been a GM. You know, like CJ Stroud's going through right now, where people are kind of like, not to give you all the context. I know you're not paying that close attention, but you know, there's some negative. Yeah, he missed the Manning passing camp. There's questions about this. You see it every year, and I know that there's play behind the scenes with teams and certain media members. Do you think it's right that they should be able to do this? And then, you know, like, how does that usually go down? Yeah, I mean, the way it goes down is that. The media, the information guys, Schefter, Rappaport, there's a whole bunch of them now. Uh, their, their stock in trade is to trade information. Yep. Hey, I heard this. What do you got? Right? And because as a GM, you have two choices. You can either play the game or not. Right. And I, I knew the game inside out because of coming from the media, and I chose not to play yeah. And so I didn't use those guys to get information out. Yeah. I didn't. I, I barely even talked to those guys. A lot of GMs and head coaches, and I'm, I'm not saying it's wrong. As a matter of fact, it's probably smart to use somebody else to get a message out, yeah. right? Especially with trades and guys moving up or down or whatever. So yeah, there, there's a lot of people that are are putting information out there for their own vested interest. I texted Daniel Jeremiah yesterday. Who, who I'm really good friends with. I love DJ. He worked for three NFL Great teams, guy. and I think he's the best draft analyst he's out there. He's terrific. Okay? I think he's terrific. Yeah. I agree. And I just texted him yesterday, good luck and whatever. And I was like, you know, get a workout in, blah, blah, blah. And I said, and listen, you know, just don't, don't listen to anybody because they're all lying. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about chasing ghosts. It's too late. Mm-hmm. You've already done all the work. Everybody's lying. Get a workout, get get a sleep, and just be fresh mm-hmm. because everybody's bullshitting you right now anyway, mm-hmm. and and they are. Yeah. It's all it's all bullshit right now, and uh, you know C.J. Stroud will probably end up going two or three anyway. Yeah, I, I figure that's how it probably shakes out. Uh, yeah. My last thing here, you know, the, the, every year there's these combine questions that come out that they're like they're really asking these people this stuff. Uh, there's one I need an answer to, though. When you guys are asking guys if they're a dog or a cat, can we talk this out here, Mike? What 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 are you looking for? Are you looking for the dog or the cat, and why? First of all, I never asked that okay. freaking okay. question. I thought it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I, I don't know because um, there's an answer. I think the right. I think there's well, a right I, answer. Well, if if. if I can go back to my my 1981 draft when I went in the 10th round. Yeah. No, and if somebody asked me that when I was 21 or 22 years old, 
I probably would have just said, I'm a dog because I want to go after the people and I don't want to be a passive yeah. cat sitting in the corner. Yeah, that, well, I know, but that's a, mis- no, that's a mis- misconception about cats. They're aggressive as fuck. They also don't answer to anybody, which is scary for a coach and a GM if a guy says he's a cat. But I feel like a, a cat guy, he's more of a, I don't know, a dog. A dog ultimately is following marching orders. You know, he's a good soldier. Maybe it depends on the position. So are you telling me that you're a cat guy? I'm. I don't like cats, but I might be more of a cat than a Sounds dog. Sounds like you do. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't. Yeah. Like I don't. Like you cats. see, there we go. See, we're in the meeting. This is good. T- tell me this, okay? Tell me. Tell me this. I've never gotten a G- I think you like I've never cats. gotten a G- My wife hates cats. I've never gotten a GM <laughs> uh, to tell me this. But when I when I visited the Chiefs in in uh, in Indianapolis, you know, they had those train cars and those fucking hotel rooms down there. Yeah. And I remember going in the Chiefs meeting, and Herm Edwards was the coach. And, you know, like in the back, there was a bathroom. And it was just a room, and they had like a projector, and I was going through all the stuff, you know, answering the questions, watching film. The whole time, Herm Edwards is in the bathroom. And this is your guy, right, Herm? He seems cool as shit. But he's sitting in a chair just facing the wall. Like, not me, not the – he's just – he's kind of listening – but he's not in the meeting. I don't know if it was to mind fuck me or what, or if he just didn't think I was going to be there at six. But like, what was he doing? Do you think? Wait a minute. He was in the bathroom. He was in the bathroom, and the door was the door open. was open. He's in khakis and a polo, and he's sitting in his fucking chair like he's in detention, and he's just kind of like looking off. You know, like he might look in the the room every now and again. I've just never got a chance to ask Herm. I'm going to ask him one day. But do you think he was just like, yeah, he's not going to be here at 6? Or was it just like to see how I would react to him not paying attention to what I was saying? <laughs> Is that a tactic oh, you guys do? Goes, I'm not smart enough to think up tactics. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not. I, I'm going in a room, yeah. and I want to look you in your eye. I want to see how you respond to foot, uh, some tape. I, I want to see if I challenge you about some shit that happened to you at UVA, or you know. But so you didn't have a general litmus to... test question, you know, like you know, dog or cat, something outside the box. Was there, nah. if you had one question you had to ask a kid to figure out what he was about, had nothing about to do with football. What are you asking him? I did. For the most part, Chris, you're in a time-constrained situation, unless it's a 30 visit where you spend the whole day, right? So if you're at the Combine, basically you got 15 minutes with a guy, you know, plus or minus, depending on the situation. And if we had outstanding questions that needed to be answered from a scouting side... I'm going to skip those for the... I would start start the meeting with every guy, and and sometimes I didn't have any questions... Sometimes I had two or three questions from background stuff yeah. that I wanted answered. Uh-huh. Like, this is what we heard. You got arrested. You did this. You did that. I'll put them on the spot for for behavior that we're aware of, and I want cleaned yeah. up. Right? And then I'd give it to John and the coaches yeah. because we already knew the scouts already were 95% down the road. with it. But at the Combine, it's the first time the coaches are getting involved with players. Yeah. So it was kind of like I wanted to clean up any shit that needed to be cleaned up or highlight something I wanted the coaches to hear, and then I throw it to John, and, and he took over. I didn't – you know, everybody hears about all that shit. Again, 
I probably just wasn't smart enough to put you or on the Or goofy spot. enough. There's just some goofy questions I was hearing every year. I'm glad you weren't asking them. So I'll leave you with this. This is the question that we would ask you if you if you were interviewing to work at Greenlight. Uh, Mike Mayock <laughs> is a very important question. We've debated it uh, a lot over the years here. You know lemon-lime Gatorade? What color is that Gatorade? Yeah, was the, uh, what, what color what? is a, a lemon-lime Gatorade, Mike? It's like urine yellow. Fuck. I don't know. He's off our board. It's green. It's green, Mike. It's green. Not the original lemon-lime Gatorade that came out in 1970-something. All right. I got certain producers say yellow, certain to say green. We had this whole debate. that It's still raging right now. But you know what? You you failed uh, that part of the interview. But the rest of the interview was great. I appreciate you. It's good to catch up with you, man. You look well, and uh, and hopefully get a beer soon, dude. I would love that, and and you need to say hi to all the longs for me, okay? Everybody. You know how much I love your mom and dad, and please make sure they know that. Yeah, I sure will. See you in Ocean City, buddy. 